The tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Hello and welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like and follow to keep me bringing the story to you. Thank you very much for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 39 Casey and Flynn appeared abruptly in the hallway where Casey began her flight to the outside. Casey staggered against the wall, exhausted by the drain of her power when Flynn tapped into her outside. She felt as if it was something that he wasn't supposed to do, more like stealing than borrowing, like stealing pages from someone's diary. At that moment, she wasn't sure if she could still pour it aloud if she needed to. Her power hadn't been this drained since she healed the wounded after the market had been hit with Caladin. Flynn was also trying to steady himself. He kept flinching as if someone were flicking him in the air. Are you all right? I will be, Flynn said. When we get to the hearth, I can start channeling power again. Why didn't you just take us there? It was my first time, Mom. We're lucky we ended up in the castle at all. What? Uh, You should probably forget that I said that. Casey sighed and held a hand to her forehead. You are your father's son, you know that? Flynn smiled and took his mother's arm. Let's go. At the sight of Casey and Flynn, Gavin nearly cheered. He and Noel ran out to join them from their position at the end of the hallway. He looked at Flynn with wide eyes and hugged them both. He rested a hand on Flynn's cheek and grinned, slapping the boy lightly. Oh, cut it out, Grandpa. You're looking good, lot. Noel moved to Casey's side. We saw from the windows, Noel said, resting his hand on the butt of his gun. Apart from me nearly pissing myself, is there anything we can do? Cover us while Flynn draws power from the heart. That shield he made won't hold long if he doesn't get a steady supply. Okay, but aren't all the enemies still outside? I just don't want to get bushwhacked when something I didn't see come. You know, like an entire enemy force breaking through the sky itself. Ah, okay, fair enough. What are we waiting for, then? Gavin began marching down the hall ahead of them, a smile on his face and his hands gripping his shotgun. Flynn was about to laugh, but his mother pinched him. He's enjoying himself, she whispered. Helping you is what he loves, Flynn. Flynn grinned and nodded. They caught up to Gavin and moved as quickly as they could towards the heart. Casey and the others could hear the cries of the wraiths circling the castle outside the shield, denied their cries by Flynn's intervention. Flynn continued to flinch under their assault on the shield. They ran through the dining hall, around the massive table, and into the sitting room where the hearth blazed away, brimming with power. Gavin and Noel stood either side of the doors while Casey and Flynn entered. Casey guided Flynn to his father's chair and sat him down. Flynn sat down and began to concentrate while his mother watched over him. After a moment, Flynn began breathing very fast and his eyes popped open wide. No, there's, there's nothing, he said, writhing in the chair. Casey reached out and held him by the shoulders. Flynn wept and looked her in the eyes. I I can't stop him. I I can't draw from the hearth. Why? 
I don't know. Something's blocking me. How is that even possible? I told you, I don't know. He cried, his hands shaking. He stopped carrying on very suddenly and leapt up from the chair, pushing his mother out of the way. Casey stumbled and nearly tripped over one of the other chairs. Noel jumped over from his position and caught her before she completely hit the flagstones. Glenn! What the hell are you doing? Glenn crossed over to the double doors leading into the hearth and clenched his fists. All of you, get out of here! Oh, come on, lad, what? No! He looked up into the emptiness of the great dining hall. There was a shuddering, wrenching sound as if the great supports of the hall itself were bending to the breaking point. An intense golden light exploded from high above, forming a globe of swirling luminescence. The stained glass windows in the hall exploded as the globe deflated, spilling wisps of energy everywhere in blazing spirals that collided and dissipated against the walls of the hall. From the core of the globe, a heavily armored man dropped like a stone, hefting a heavy mace over his head. He brought it down with such force that the table splintered and broke in half, the pieces exploding as his mighty form landed on one knee and crushed everything beneath it. He looked up at Flynn from a golden helm shaped like the head of a lion. A great black cloak fell from his back, hiding heavy plate armor underneath, gilded plate with a lion's head for a breastplate. He rested the heavy head of his mace in one hand and smiled. Get away from my son! Casey pulled her guns and pushed Flynn out of the way. Greetings, a young man's voice said from under the helm. Kill the bastard! Gavin yelled, pumping a shotgun. A shower of ammunition followed. Casey's pistols leading the way with a relentless fire, punctuated by blasts of solid slugs with Gavin. Noel did his best, holding his revolver with both hands as he blasted away at the foreboding man in armor. The air filled with gunpowder and it resounded with the exploded rounds from their guns. Flynn cried out for them to stop. The man stood against their fire, unmoving as the bullets exploded into smoldering pieces and littered the floor. A golden field twinkled in the air. He waited as the gun stopped firing for them to reload. Always with the bullets. Casey's guns flew out of her hand, along with Gavin's shotgun and Noel's revolver. They dropped in a pile at the man's feet. In an instant, they became a hot pile of melted iron. The man looked up from the pile and grabbed his mace. He stepped over the pile and began walking through those splintered pieces of the broken table. Now, let us see how well you fare in my place. Chapter 40. The wyverns, the wraiths led by Jack, tore at the city like a pack of hungry vultures, diving and driving people to their deaths, crashing skiffs and setting buildings on fire with stolen incinerators. The burning structures were causing the most havoc for us in the skiffs, sending dark plumes of smoke into the sky that would make it harder to chase down and destroy these monsters. And night was coming on. The sunset was turning the city into a panorama of reds and blacks. I wished I had the power to try and make the light linger longer, but it was beyond me now. I nodded at Henry and we broke formation. He and Dukum took off towards a group of wyverns heading the center of the city. Jules winked at me and took off after them. I shot forward and steered our skiff up and over one of the burning buildings, taking one of the wyverns, fleeing the scene of destruction by surprise. I dove down at it and its rider like a bird of prey, angling the proud escort hit on the beast if I could. Sarah moved up beside me and notched an arrow. I am really hoping that piece on the front is not ornamental. He shouted as we bore down at the wyvern. Shh! 
It occurs to me now that there is nothing to secure us on this vessel. Aim for the beast. I'm looking forward to hunting these bastards down the streets after they've crashed. Not my first time with a bow, Nick. I gripped the control stick as much as I could, hearing the propeller whine from above as it was pushed to a maximum speed. The wyverns were slower, but agile as hell. I needed the acceleration to line them up. I pulled my nose towards the belly of the closest wyvern. They flew in a trio, the two on the outside guarding the one in the middle. Probably the one with the incinerator. I moved to strike the one, guarding the right flank. Hold on! I tipped the skip to the right and swooped as close as I could, using the brow as a sword to cut to the beast's flank. Sarah was showing off, hooking one leg through the protective gate, holding us inside, tilting himself as he aimed the bow. Damn. I brought the prow in, slicing a long cut across the stomach of the wider. The skiff shuddered in the impact, minimal as it was. Had to be sparing with that tactic. Sarah loosed one arrow and then another. The rider of the beast I wounded toppled over and slipped off his wyvern. It started writhing in the air. I pulled away from it as it struggled. As I moved away, I saw the arrow protruding from its snout. You are good. Thank me when they're all dead. Sarah pointed at the other two wyverns and moved his hand along in a curved way. Downward, and I took his meaning. We dropped down, attempting to pass underneath them. They saw what I was doing and broke away from each other. The one with the incinerator turned hard to the right, midair, and aimed his weapon at us, while his partner flew on in a much wider arc to the left. A stream of flame exploded out at us, and I pulled the stick hard to the right and got out of the way. We were barely ahead of it as we moved around the rider. He swept the incinerator along, trying to catch us. An instant later, Sarah's dark bird was on him, clawing at him and struggling to keep the fire going. I became very aware of the wooden deck of this craft at that moment. Kill him! Kill him now! Sarah shot at the rider, but I was moving too erratically for him to get a clean shot. I just had to dodge. The wyvern got hit, making its flailing much worse. Pull away! Give me some room and steady us! We'll be exposed. I am aware. Do it! I pulled away from the rider and flattened us out. I heard Sarah release his arrows. The shrieking that arose after told me he had struck true. I moved back around in an easy arc, catching the view of the wyvern rider tumbling away into the city. Sarah cried out a warning. Incoming! I'll go up! Go up! The partner of the rider we had slain had previously brought his beast back around for a charge. He was hurling down towards us at a frightening speed, the black wings of the wyvern driving it forward with a startling pace. I barely had time to pull up before he was on us. Sarah drew and shot an arrow as it approached. It was hit, but it kept on going towards us. The wyvern flew by underneath us, causing the skip to jostle and shudder in its wake. There was a sudden dragon we were thrown off balance. The rider of the wyvern clambered over the side of the skiff, sword in hand, and attacked Sarrow. I kept one hand on the stick and drew my sword with the other. Take it! I yelled to him. Sarrow blocked the rider's downward cut with a bow, which shattered with the force of it. He moved back towards me and took my blade. He looked at it for a second with some hesitation. It wouldn't work the same in his hands, for only I could channel the fire of the blade to burn the darkness. But in his deadly hands, any worthy blade would become a tool of catastrophe and evisceration. For what seemed a lifetime ago, I remember watching him take on dozens of wolf warriors on Caledon when we first ran into the kingdom in full force. I didn't know him then, and that little adventure hadn't ended well for me, but I remembered his fury all the same. Otomo. Sero. The perfect warrior. Good luck, my enemy. A few seconds later, I saw the rider's head roll and bump against the gate. I summoned the gruesome trophy to one hand and tossed it over the side. Drop that thing over the side, I said. We don't need the ballast. Saro hauled the corpse over the side, dumping it into the city below and looked quizzically at me. What is ballast? 
I blinked and grinned. Another lifetime, Sarah. I looked out over the city. Fires were still doing the most damage, despite the efforts of the city to try to stifle them. Large skiffs came up below, hooked up with hoses that were rising to meet the fires, laden with breakers ready to soak them. But the wyverns persisted, and were diving and attacking the breakers. We have to stop them. Fire will take the city if we don't. What about the others? I peered into the distance, where the tallest spire rose from the great iron bastion of the cathedral, where the fighting was thickest. I tried to catch sight of my friends, but the smoke and the chaos hid them from me. All I could see were dark wings, flame. Nick, buildings can be rebuilt, and those gods down there are doing their job. Even if they die doing it, that's what they are supposed to do. We are the only ones who can stop Jack. I promised to protect these people. They died in front of my eyes, the victims of this feud with Jack and his blighted folk. Sarah was right, though. There was no way to stop this for good if we didn't strike at his heart. I passed the stick over to Sarah. He put my sword in my hand. Sarah's bird flew from his hand, heading off in the direction of the Iron Bastion. I raised my sword in the bird's direction. Take me to Jack. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me keep bringing the story to you. Come back next week for the next episode of The Lost Tribe, Darkest Tower.